Have you ever wondered what are the chemicals in your brain that make you happy and the chemicals that we all fundamentally carry that vary every day? You know, you when people are angry, you know, you call them like hot-headed or you say someone's uh they get super excited or they get really frustrated, but chemically this is changes in the brain and and fundamentally each of us need to understand our brain a lot better. It's very very important. So you know, there're four primary chemicals in our body that contribute to all our positive feelings that basically we can call happy chemicals. And these are endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. And you've probably heard of some of those like dopamine and serotonin, but um, you know, oxytocin and uh, endorphins, you may have heard of, but rarely people actually understand what they those mean and the uses of those. And in this podcast, we'll go about 15 minutes and I'll explain some of those later on. And uh, an easy way to remember it that I use is just DOSE, so D-O-S-E, so dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And basically, whenever, when whether acting alone or in concert, in small doses or large, anytime we feel any sense of happiness or joy, odds are it is because one or more of these chemicals is coursing through our veins. They do not exist simply to make us feel good. They each serve a very real and practical purpose, our survival. And what's interesting is like, as homo sapiens, as human beings, the thing that makes us basically better adapted to survive and prosper in like the different conditions we were born in, especially today, it's a lot different because it's pretty easy going. But, uh, you know, long time ago, the, the thing that made us unique and made us adaptable is our neurocortex. And this is the complex solving part, um, problem solving part of the brain. Very, very important too. There's a great book called Mapping the Brain that basically gives you a great overview of the different parts of the brain, you know, the uh, just different areas to help you kind of map it out. And uh, it basically gives us the ability for sophisticated communication. Unlike other animals able to communicate, we're capable of syntax and grammar. But another critical reason we survived was thanks to our remarkable ability to cooperate. We are highly social species whose survival and ability to prosper depends on the help of others. Very, very important. This is kind of like our ability to work together. And that's what the neurocortex is about, the the communication and, and problem solving skills. And just think about if we didn't have this, we'd be much more primal, a lot like other species. And, you know, you see monkeys, they they don't have this. A lot of a lot of species don't have this part of their this part of the brain, and it results in our, our current society, which is very interesting. And I'll tie this together with those four chemicals. If you remember those, remember that the acronym I gave you, D-O-S-E, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. Easy way to remember it, dose, D-O-S-E. And those are vital because they, they truly are like the happy chemicals. They're the chemicals that work in your brain that that fluctuate your mood. So, you know, a lot of people say they're, they don't understand why they're depressed and they go on antidepressants. Those are just messing with your chemicals. That's all that is. But the amazing thing is you can, you can change your chemicals around by, by your inputs, which dictate your outputs and your inputs are the things, you know, the things that you're watching, the things you're consuming, be it food or be it media and the people around you, the situations you're in, all the basically inputs on a day-to-day basis. You know, even if in your in your dark in a dark room, you have zero inputs except your own thoughts, and those dictates the outputs, which is the things that you produce. So, very very just interesting topic. So, 
our ability to work together to help protect each other worked so well, in fact, that our population did more than survived. We actually thrived. You know, elephants survived also, but they, but the life of an elephant today is largely the same as it is millions of years ago, not for human beings. Our lives are completely different than they were 50,000 years ago. Though our species was modeled to suit our environment, we were also good at working together and solving problems that we found the way to mold our environments to suit us. The better we did, the better we got at changing our conditions to suit the needs instead of being changed to suit the conditions. This is the adaptability thing. And, you know, there's a great book that Richard Dawkins published called The Selfish Gene, talks a lot about this, how fundamentally, you know, you're the only one that uh, has 100% of your genes and so you have this self, kind of selfish gene, he quotes it, where, you know, deep down the primal instincts are to protect yourself. And it takes a lot of, a lot of empathy and a lot of love to uh, put others in front of you. So, you know, the, people always ask, like you see it in movies, you know, would you die for your parents or would the parents die for the kids? Usually the parents would die for the kids because of the empathy produced. It doesn't require that much empathy, you know, being just born and then your parents taking care of you. That's a whole nother topic. Basically, you know, he, he was talking about the elephants because as I talked about er- earlier, the neurocortex is what makes us specifically unique as humans. It's the ability for sophisticated communication and the complex problem solving part of the brain. So the better we did, you know, we talked about, you know, innovations, things of that nature. Um, the problem is our basic genetic coding remains the same. We are an old-fashioned bunch of living in a modern, resource-rich world. This has its obvious advantages, but like everything else, it comes at a cost. This is so important to remember. Is that you know in the modern world we don't really think. Not a lot of pe- people that don't work in the neurology field or the uh, you know understanding the brain field don't dedicate a lot of time to learn about it, and they don't really teach us about it in school, rather than maybe like a tiny bit in, uh, in biology. But besides that, I mean, it's a giant topic. So especially with, you know, huge innovations coming as far as Neuralink, Elon Musk's company, look it up if you're interested. Um, good podcast on that is Lex Friedman, who's been on Joe Rogan's podcast a couple of times, interviewed him. And on the second part, if you just go on YouTube and go Lex Friedman, Elon Musk, part two, he talks a lot about um, Neuralink. But what, what, what I was just talking about before is basically, you know, we have all these advancements, we've adapted to our environment, and we've gotten so far, you know, our life looks exponentially different than it did 10,000 years ago. But these fundamental things in our brain, these, you know, I kind of call them whispers of a 1000 generations, you know, a 1000 generations ago, the you know, they, those primal instincts are passed down generation, generation, generation. This is why, you know, a lot of people believe that, uh, you know, young children that have never, uh, they have like fears of things just innately in the brain. It's because, uh, a past generation passed that down from their like past trauma, which is kind of an interesting topic. I'm not sure if that's been a hundred percent proven, but that's, you basically get my point with that metaphor. You know, it's it's these things that are passed down to us that we don't choose and we don't consciously choose. It's, it's in our subconscious. It's kind of like the fight or flight or the uh, primal instinct in all of us. So now we're going to tie it in with, you know, the uh, selfish and the selfless chemicals, which are which is the DOSE. So two chemicals, endorphins and dopamine. So 
the last two in the acronym I gave you, the D and the E in between is the O and the S. So D-O-S-E, dopamine and endorphins are the reason that we are driven to hunt, gather, and achieve. They make us feel good. We find something we're looking for, when we find something we're looking for, and something we need to accomplish our goals. These are the chemicals of progress. E is for endorphins, the runner's high. Endorphins serve one purpose, one purpose only, to mask physical pain. This is powerful. A lot of people don't realize this. So a lot of people use endorphins with, uh, you know, alcohol or drugs to cover up the pain, but that's really it. You know, they're used for that one purpose. And, you know, think of endorphins as your own personal opiate, often released in response to stress or fear. They mask physical pain and pleasure. The experience of a runner's high, the feeling of euphoria many athletes experience during or after a hard workout is in the fact that the endorphin chemical surging through their veins. This is one of the reasons runners and other endurance athletes continue to push their bodies harder and harder. It's not simply because they have the discipline to do so. They do it because it actually feels good. Very, very interesting. A lot of people don't realize how to use this productively. And um, let's see. So, you know, for example, back when we were in the Paleolithic era, they were able to track animals over great distances. And then they were able to, uh, you know, have the stamina to make it home again. And if the hunters gave up at, the, at any time simply because they were exhausted, then they would most likely die off. They would not eat. And Mother Nature basically designed a clever incentive, you know, that reward and punishment bias punishment if you don't push through, reward if you do, um, fundamental in our human nature, just as we were talking about those genes passed down from set thousands of generations, you know, Mother Nature basically designed this clever incentive to encourage us to keep going, something that we could call a little endorphin rush, just, you know, same as the endorphin rush you get, you know, if you haven't eaten in 24 hours and you get a nice big burger or whatever your favorite food is. That's kind of, you know, similar endorphin rush. And now we're going into dopamine, which is basically the incentive for progress, the reward, the little hit in our brain. You know, you hear about people talking about this with social media. The reason people check is because you get addicted to that dopamine hit, the dopamine hit. You know, you feel like you're making progress on something, but it's really you're just a hamster spinning a wheel, especially with social media. But dopamine can be used in a productive manner. So dopamine is the reason for the good feeling we get when we find something we're looking for or do something that needs to get done. It is responsible for the feeling of satisfaction after we finished an important task, completed a project, reached a goal, or even reached one of the markers on our way to a bigger goal. We all know how good idea how good it feels to cross something off our to-do list. That feeling of progress and accomplishment is primarily because of dopamine. And you know, long before agriculture or supermarkets, human beings spent a good portion of their time, you know, in search of the next meal. So we were hunters. And you know, if we were gathering, we wouldn't last very long. So Mother Nature basically designed a clever way to help us stay focused at the task at hand. One way to get dopamine is from eating, which is one of the reasons we enjoy it. And so we try to repeat the behaviors that get us food. It is dopamine that makes us a goal-oriented species with a bias for progress. So interesting. 
goal-oriented species. That's literally what we are, a bias towards progress. And, you know, it was very useful back when we were hunter and gatherers, but now, you know, we still have fundamentally the same things in our brain, these same chemicals. And when applied to the crazy technology we're given today, that if it's only really been around the past, like, max 50 years, really, like technology of this nature, less less than that, you know, that's it's giving it room for, you know, people that are like, eh. <laughs> people that disagree. I don't give a shit if you disagree. doesn't matter. That's not the point. Techno- technology like this, the phones that we have today really have only been around for the past 20 years, but I give it the 50 years because the capability for the technology like this has been around for a little bit. So it's just interesting when, you know, we have the same brain, but we're we're put in this new situation where we have to balance all these different components, all these different factors. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of books on this that talk about the, uh, the syndromes of not being able to, to balance correctly and not being able to actually have a well-maintained life as far as balancing social media and your personal life and keeping sane. A lot of people aren't able to do this properly. So just very interesting to analyze when you're able to look at the, look at the raw facts of when we're put in this situation where we have all this different technology and we have all this uh, innovation, what we do with it. And a lot of people just abuse it and don't realize that you know they're kind of becoming the slave of technology, whereas really you should use technology as a tool. Just like hunters used, hunters and gatherers used things that they created as a tool. So it's very interesting, you know, accomplish maybe, accomplishment may be fueled by dopamine, but that feeling of fulfillment, those lasting feelings of happiness and loyalty all require engagement, while others, though we may not reminisce about that goal that we hit a decade ago, we will talk about the friends we made and we struggled to make. Very, very interesting. So, S, serotonin. So remember, D-O-S-E, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. Serotonin is basically the leadership chemical, and serotonin is the feeling of pride. It is the feeling we get when we perceive that others like or respect us. It makes us feel strong and confident, like we can take on anything. And more than confidence boosting, it rages, it raises our status. Very, very interesting. You know, basically oxytocin and serotonin grease the social machine. That's a way you can think about it. So remember in the acronym, those... I set it up as D-O-S-E because it's easy to remember. So dose, like a dose to the brain of happiness. And uh, these are chemicals. So the last two, the D and the E, remember, those are the selfish ones. And then the middle two, those are the ones that fuel you know, social, social things. And those are the uh, selfless ones. So serotonin is the leadership chemical. And remember what I talked about with that? So it's the feeling of pride, basically. And it is the feeling we get when we perceive others like or respect us. Very, very interesting. And, you know, when people, let's say, like they graduate college, they graduate high school, and they walk across stage, they get their diploma, they're getting hit with tons of serotonin in that moment. Or when someone wins a game, tons of serotonin in that moment because they won it. Or a coach, you know, when he wins the Super Bowl, massive amounts of serotonin. So, oxytocin, the chemical love. Oxytocin is most people's favorite chemical. It's the feeling of friendship, love, or deep trust. It is a feeling we get when we are in the company of our closest friends or trusted colleagues. It's the feeling we get when we do something nice for someone or someone does something nice for us. 
Oxytocin makes us social, unlike dopamine, which is the instant gratification. Oxytocin is long lasting. So I hope you were able to take away some interesting insights as far as it goes with uh, chemicals in the brain and how we've evolved. Very, very interesting things. So remember DOSE, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And then you can rewind this and listen to it again if you'd like to uh, just recall some of the things or look them up and begin researching yourself. A lot of these concepts were actually from the book uh, Leaders Eat Last, which is a great, great book by Simon Sinek. He's also the author of Start With Why, a bit more of a uh, popular book by him. But there's actually a lot of power in this book. You know, it was very interesting studies. You know, a lot of the things that I read um, were actually from the middle of the book. I think it was chapter like six. But yeah, so it's Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Highly recommend you guys pick that up. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe. Hope everybody's staying healthy and safe out there with this uh, coronavirus going around. And thank you very much for listening. Until next time.